Welcome to the LA Realtor Podcast. I'm Paul with Great Builds. And I'm Sarah Lehman. And we're getting to know the industry one conversation at a time. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the LA Realtor Podcast. John, it's you again. It's me. I'm still here. How are you enjoying being uh, the new co-host? It's great. It, uh, I love this seat. Um, <laughs> I can hear myself on the microphones, on the headphones. and uh, we, ha- we used to have you in a corner. Now you're in the, the headliner seat. I, I got the bright light shining on me. And you know what? Not a big fan. I'm kind of going blind, but it's worth it's it. We a, look great. It's important. Yeah, no one else can see us, but we look great. <laughs> we can see ourselves. So, um, Paul, I got a story for you. Tell me. Uh, a few weeks ago. I had a friend celebrating his 30th birthday and he decided to go all out and he rented an Airbnb in the Malibu Hills Mm. overlooking the ocean. We were all very excited. Pictures looked great until we got to the house. Oh, and man, I don't know if you've ever stayed in a bad Airbnb, No, but anything that could go wrong had gone wrong at Uh this house and not to even talk about the logistical errors or snafus that occurred, <laughs> but just the state of this home uh-huh. was just in total disarray. That's bullshit. You know, when they post yeah. certain pictures, right. making it look like they have this beautiful pool and a steam room with an indoor hot tub and a full music room in the basement. Sure. Well, then we walked in and realized that none of that was there. Mm. Instead of this beautiful basement with a sauna and a music room and a gym, it was totally cleared out. And had a really musty smell. Mm. And as we started walking through, we realized that maybe we shouldn't have been because (laughs) there were black spots everywhere. Ah. Just the entire ceiling throughout the entire basement, the walls in half of the rooms. I regret wanting to go into this uh, sauna room because that was just damp and musty. And I could feel the mold. Well... That's uh, that's interesting, and uh, I bet you didn't know much about that mold, but uh, I want to introduce you to our guest because he is very well qualified to tell us more about this topic. So welcome to our show, Brett Pfeiffer. Uh, you're the owner of Golden State Mold, yes? Yes, thanks for having me. Amazing. So before we jump in, why don't you tell us, what, what, did, what do you think John saw in that really terrible Airbnb look, experience. Look, we thought it was all black mold because the mold was black. But what do you think? Right. Well, I mean, it sounds like it was likely some type of mold because you had the strong musty odor and the uh-huh. typical signs of having dark spots here and there. But as far as black mold, uh, it's impossible <laughs> to tell unless you, you get a you get a sample of that because just because it's black doesn't mean it's black. It's the black mold that everybody talks about. But it definitely sounds like a serious issue. It's kind of a misnomer. There's probably a lot of mold that's blackish, right? That, you know, <laughs> yeah. 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 So black mold actually refers to a specific type of mold, stachybotrys. Mm. And so there's molds that are all different types of colors, you know, from a white to pink, purple to green to mm. black. And a lot of the molds are very dark in color and look black, but it could be aspergillus. It could be all kinds of different types, but only way to tell if it's that black mold that everybody's talking about is to take a sample, find out mm. if it's that stachybotrys. So what, what would your professional recommendation have been? I walked into that room. I encountered walk, walk what, right out. What could have been good or bad. What walk, should I just do? Walk right out. Just leave. Well, I mean, you're in a tough spot because you're out of town on an Airbnb. I would definitely not be going into that basement room and I'd be uh-huh. calling somebody to come check it let out. Let me tell you what, let me tell you what not to do, John. 
don't lick it. Don't lick it. Yeah. Don't. I, I don't think that would be the right way of testing the mold. Well, I don't know. No, Brett just said. Taste test is not accurate. <laughs> well, Brett just said there's all these cool colors, pinks and purples and greens. Kind of makes me I think, think of if, cotton candy. I was going to say, I think if you lick it, you're going to hallucinate. You're going to see all those colors in your head anyways. But. <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's get away from the Airbnb because I, I this is an interesting topic. I mean, I, I'm kind of interested in it. I know that obviously people have been talking about mold. It is dangerous every time. You know, when, when you transact a house, this is why realtors need to know about this, you know, and uh, mold is dangerous. You don't want to buy a house with mold. Uh, but I also think it's an ambiguous topic, right? Because I think, hey, every, when I take a shower, sometimes it gets musty too. Like, does that mean there's mold? So, Brett, just kind of fill us in. You've been doing this. Tell us how long you've been doing this, why you formed Golden State Mold, and what people need to know about you know, this whole world. Right, right. So I started Golden State Mold Inspections about 13, 14 years, about 13 years ago. Did it out of doing uh, my own due diligence on certain properties, being, you know, just involved with housing and seeing a need for it and just kind of diving into what I saw was a need and could do it. But it is important for people to know that mold is everywhere. It's natural to the environment. It's indoors, it's outdoors. And so what we're looking for when we're doing an inspection is an indoor source of mold growth, which is primarily going to be due to some sort of water intrusion event that's either current or happened in the past. But people are very scared of mold because there's a lot of bad press out there from, with mold. Um, but I think people need to know that it's important to discover it and find it when you're buying a home so that you know what you're going to be dealing with because it can be expensive. But at the same time, it usually is an isolated instant. So once you get the mold cleaned up and the source taken away, the house isn't plagued with mold. You had an issue, you fixed it, now it's good to go. But how do you know if it's fixed? Could there so, still be mold hiding behind the walls right. or in the subfloor? Yes. Yeah, so that's the importance of an inspection because what we do is we assess the entire area. So we look at the mold that you can see or can't see sometimes, and we're determining what's the extent of it beyond what's visible or presumed to be there, what's the source of it, and how far could it possibly go? So when we write our reports, we provide what's called a scope of work, which are basically the instructions of what needs to be done to eradicate it and prevent it coming back. So there's a whole process of making sure that everything's taken care of. And then most important is to get to that source, because if you have some sort of drainage issue, you have a mold issue because of that, you fix the mold issue, but you don't fix the drainage issue. Now you just have an annual remediation bill that you're going to have to be going through. <laughs> do you, you know? air test? Do you air test after? Is that how you know that you're cleaned up or not necessarily? Right. So, yeah, so that's with the a clearance test. And I always recommend to get that when there is a mold issue. And it's because even if you're buying the house, selling the house, or just owning the house, it's good to have the whole story, right? So you have your initial inspection, which shows, yes, we found mold here. This is what needs to be done. Then you have your remediation contractor bid and work order showing that the work was done. And then you have your clearance test done afterwards, which is done by me. And we go in and provide a certification that mold was taken care of. And that's the end of the story. And when we do that clearance inspection, what we do is we go through, we do a visual inspection, make sure that everything looks good, make sure that all the moisture readings are okay. And then to verify our visual observations, we take an air sample. To, and for the confirmation of that. And from there, we issue a clearance certificate. It looks good. So Paul and I are both kind of techies. So we were kind of wondering, 
What kind of technology, what tools are you using to detect these invisible spores? Well, so the invisible spore detection, that's going to be done by sampling techniques, whether it's a swab sample, which think of like a medical Q-tip. You take mm -hmm. a swab, whatever's there. Either, no matter what type of sampling, it goes to a lab, they put it under a microscope, and they identify the, the mold spores. Air sampling is a little bit different because that's a comparison sample to the outdoors. But as far as like technology and tools that we use during the inspection, because we want to find where the moisture is. So mm -hmm. the primary tool we're using is a moisture meter. Okay. And then we also do use thermal imaging in some cases, infrared, which people think that that tells us where moisture is or that tells us where mold is, but it doesn't. It just tells us changes in temperature. So if we see a, a spot, you know, it'll color, the wall is all uniform 80 degrees, but there's one blob of 60 mm. degrees. That tells us maybe there's water there that's changed that temperature. And that's where we use the moisture meter. So the thermal imaging tells us where to use our moisture meters instead of putting holes in all the walls because the <laughs> moisture meters put these little pinholes in there. Got and it. then from there, uh -huh. a flashlight. <laughs> oh. High tech, <laughs> high tech, bright flashlight. Well, but the rest of it's high tech and that's pretty cool yeah. because you're, you're kind of seeing behind walls. I mean, I'm kind of thinking Ghostbusters, right? You got this <laughs> hack on, you got all these scanners and readers. Yeah, I mean, the, the air sampling people get a little impressed with, even though it's just a little air pump with a, a sampling cartridge. But um, yeah, I mean, it's tools that you need to be able to perform the good job because visual is only one part of it. Smell is only one part of it. You need to be able to use tools in an effective way to find the water intrusion and then to the mold growth. Are yeah. you wearing a hazmat suit in some cases? No, no. So I do bring along certain types of respirator or an N95 respirator. mask. but I don't, I, I put that on when I find, when I start to get close to finding a problem, you know, any indication, because sure. I'm exposed to it more than most people. So yeah, if yeah. I get the slightest hint of anything, I put on a mask, even if mm -hmm. it might be nothing, but just because it's my daily operation and I don't want to overexpose myself. Have you become, after 13 years of doing this, have you become just as good as the technology in a sense? Like you walk into a house and you either smell or sense, like you probably have a, six cents for this now, don't you? Well, yeah. I mean, experience is a huge part of it. And a lot of times uh -huh. when I'm talking to a client over the phone, I have a pretty good idea of what's likely <laughs> happening because buildings have drainage. They all have roofs. They all have plumbing, ingoing and outgoing plumbing. They all have closets. They all have bathroom showers. You know, it, so like each home is relatively the same. And so there's only hundreds of different things that can go wrong. But over 13 years, you see all these things and you get a good idea of where to go, what the problem could be. And the tools and the technology are very helpful, but the experience is, is where it's at, knowing what to look for. Yeah. I want to take a step back real quick. I've been lingering on a thought. So you mentioned that when you're doing an inspection, you're walking through a home, you'll only put a respirator or a mask on when you encounter mold or some uh, potentially hazardous situation. So calling back to my Malibu experience, if I'm upstairs in the rest of the house, we know that there's mold down below. Are there any hazards? Is there a risk with even being in the home knowing that there's that presence down below us? So that's a tough question to answer definitively because there's so many different factors. So in general, one thing about mold is that it is relatively sticky. So it doesn't go throughout the house like a lot of people think unless it's agitated or extremely dried out and then agitated. Mm -hmm. So 
I have clients that will tell me, you know, this bathroom in the front of the house has mold. My bedroom is in the second floor back of the house. Am I okay to sleep there? Yes, you're fine to sleep there because it's not going to travel throughout. However, if you have something where there's a basement underneath that's been completely contaminated and maybe some sort of fan system that could be blowing those spores up, then you could have an issue, not throughout, but in those immediate areas. But what I'm saying is like in general, it doesn't go very far unless it's agitated or dried out and then uh, fanned off. Or oh, so if you're, if you're mad at the mold and you go at it with a sledgehammer, <laughs> not good. make sure you're wearing a mask. Well, that's, I mean, that's a, <laughs> it's a very important that you say that because part of the remediation, because people, we have this mold problem. How dangerous is it? How bad is it for my health? It's probably not really affecting you much because it's right there and it's not going anywhere. It's in the cabinet. However, mm -hmm. When you go to remediate and they go to demo that, that is just completely dispersing those mold spores mm -hmm. into the air. And that's why if you've ever seen a remediation job, they do that containment around. So mm -hmm. they build like a plastic room inside. It's to make mm -hmm. sure that those spores don't contaminate the home and cause a problem. And yes, you should be wearing a respirator. <laughs> and do you, do you have an air, air scrubber as part of that process potentially to make sure you're filtering right. those out? Mm -hmm. Right. So during a, a remediation under containment, what they do is they set up that containment and they put it under what's called negative air, meaning that mm -hmm. the pressure inside the containment is less than outside the containment. So if there's any breaches in that containment or when they go in and out, air goes into the containment, not out of it. Because mm -hmm. when they demo that, those spores are just completely contaminating that, that area. So then once they finish the job and they get everything cleaned up, they can't just take the containment down because mm -hmm. now they're just releasing a spore bomb into the house. Mm -hmm. So they have to run those air scrubbers to clean the containment to a safe level. And then they get the clearance test. And then we know it's all safe to bring down. So yeah, air scrubbers are very, very important. Is the bathroom, I mean, look, I've, I've used to flip homes. I've, I've, I've seen enough homes. Is this a drinking game now? Is every time I say flip homes, like, <laughs> um, you know, bathrooms, right? That's where the shower happens. That's where water happens. Is that the most common place where you're going to find small amounts or large amounts of mold kind of on the ceiling and yeah, because there's constantly and, moisture. Right, right. So I, I always note that as more of a maintenance issue because mm. you have, I mean, you don't have to shower, but you should shower. <laughs> and usually people are going to take, take a warm shower. And so you're uh, going to get you steam and you're going to get condensation on the wall surfaces. And because it's a bathroom, it's not very ventilated. You're going to get small growth there. But just like the growth that you get on your shower on your sink, you clean it routinely in maintenance and it's it's fine as mm. long as it doesn't get out of control which it never should be because you should you should routinely clean your home this comes up quite frequently in uh, landlord tenant situations because tenants want the landlord to do absolutely everything and nothing's mm -hmm. their fault and right. so unfortunately i have to you know say it, it should be considered routine maintenance by occupant it can be reduced by installing a good ventilation fan with a humidistat mm -hmm. uh, but like you said, that's just going to happen because it's a bathroom. People shower in it. And but once you see the black on the ceiling, it's that that's gone too far, right? I mean that that that's a bad sign. Yes. Well, no, not necessarily, because no. if it is from moisture accumulation, and you start seeing small dots. That's just mm -hmm. your cue to clean it, and it I can see. get pretty bad if you neglect it for a while. Um, mm -hmm. The problem happens with mold is when you have water saturation. So the surface 
moisture accumulation during shower use doesn't saturate the ceiling or the wall coverings. Mm. It would be a leak that would saturate those. So if you have a bathroom upstairs, that's leaking downstairs. Mm. Now you're getting water saturation. Now you're seeing those black spots, but it's from a different source, not mm-hmm. water accumulation, but water saturation. That's, that's interesting. I know yeah. that what people freak out about mold. Like I had a friend call me and said, you know, I had a leak from my, like you said, from my upstairs to my downstairs. And I, you know, the guy took out the drywall. Should I be worried about mold? And I'd love to get your opinion. My opinion was like, no, it doesn't grow that fast. It looks like you cut out the water issues. There's no, is, is that right? They, that's not a situation where they should really be worried about mold it, or, or, or am I wrong? Well, depends on the, on the situation. So I always say that mold growth is due to water intrusion, but water intrusion doesn't guarantee mold growth. Mm. And the sooner you get to it, the less likely that mold's going to grow. So if you had yeah. a leak, pipe burst, your home, it leaked, you got to it that day or next day, highly, highly unlikely something's going to grow. Really, sure. you're starting to get at risk around they say 24, but like around 48 hours after is when you can start having some mold development. Beyond that, especially if it's, so LA, there's a lot of old homes that are lath and plaster mm-hmm. where that's not as absorbent as newer homes or remodeled homes that use drywall, which yeah. is like a sponge with paper on it. And it's just a <laughs> petri dish for mold. Insulation so, too, right? Yeah. Insulation definitely could be a, a problem. It's mm. tough to say to to detect on insulation because it's in between the walls, it's isolated. Mm. So it's not right. going to be a detectable usually in the middle of the room unless it's mm. significant. So if you're a real estate agent, let's say, and you're doing a walkthrough with one of your clients and you see something or smell something or smell something, what would that something be for you to think, oh, don't worry about it? And on the other hand, what would that something be if it's, we got to call a mold inspector? I would say call a mold inspector. I know that I <laughs> benefit from that. However, <laughs> but if I look at it from the realtor's perspective and you're in escrow and you have an opportunity to negotiate, do your due diligence sure. and say it, it is, you know, it costs three, $400 to have it inspected. You're spending three hundred four, three to $400 to find out if you have a $10,000 pro- problem yeah. while you're in escrow, as opposed to don't worry about it. Then for some reason, they have it two months later and find out it's a problem. And then as a realtor, you get the call. Turns out that problem was a $10,000 problem. That, that's why I say, if you have the opportunity, yeah. If you sense anything, if, if, yeah. if anything feels wrong, then you look under a sink and something doesn't look right. That's when yeah. it's time to call a mold inspector. And typically, you'll do the general inspection first and they'd likely find something if it's of concern yeah, at true. all, right? Yeah, I just think to spend the three or $400 while it's negotiable or you're in escrow is just just worth it if there's something suspicious. Because I get so many calls where people think, tell me, uh, yeah, so-and-so's concerned about this. I don't, it doesn't seem like a big deal. And then I get there and, well, you're looking at this little spot, but my moisture meters are telling me that's here and it's gone into the adjacent room. Mm-hmm. It's big. There's also been other things where I, people, I did a, like a high-rise building over off Wilshire. And they were convinced it was going to be a $35,000 issue. And they thought it was a world. And turned out they needed to replace about 12 inches of baseboard. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> so like, the, unless yeah. you qualify and have the experience, you really, really don't, don't know. So that's why I'd get yeah. a check just to be sure. And in either situation, it's worth a few hundred bucks to mm-hmm. protect your ass. People yeah. get scared of the word mold. 
you know, just they like do. They're, they're scared of lead and asbestos, which they should be obviously. But have you ever, I mean, you've run into, I'm sure a lot of things, but have you read, uh, run into really severe conditions, either house that is just in terrible shape with regard to mold or folks that have gotten sick because of living with mold? So I've got a couple severe cases of mold, um, different situations that led to it, but usually it's significant neglect and stuff to kind of describe the one situation. But, you know, there's been one, a couple where it was the entire home because people being kept up in a home for whatever reason, while a leak was happening, doors closed, neighbors leaving food on the, on the porch, literally mm -hmm. to keep them fed until certain things happen to get the right help that they needed. And then once they got into the home, it was in significant disarray with an ongoing leak from upstairs. Wow. Yeah. So, but as far as people getting sick, it's really tough to, to touch on that subject because yeah. there's a lot of debate on the true health effects of certain types of mold and the conclusiveness to the studies. Mm -hmm. However, regardless of the stachybotrys or whatever, holding toxins that make you sick, regardless of your current health, Every, anybody can be allergic to mold. And that's mm. the conclusive part of the health text is that, and that's person to person where I'm not allergic to mold and it doesn't really bother me at all, where I have clients that the smallest amounts of mold trigger an asthma attack, sure. hard trouble breathing. And it's just like any type of allergy it can be very severe for some people and very minimal from other. And it is a known allergen. So it really ranges person to person. I've had people have some serious allergic issues with it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can get an allergy test to see if you're allergic to mold, but I guess that's, you know, the same reason people vacuum their, their carpets and whatnot is it holds allergens in. Dust, so. mold, all the bad Dust, stuff. Dust, right. That's true. Yeah. And so people ask me, am, am I safe to live here? And I got to, you know, say, well, I'm a building inspector for mold to determine <laughs> if there's an indoor source of mold growth. You shouldn't get medical advice from a mold person mold inspector. Yeah. So I, you know, <laughs> so I tell them the best thing to do is, you know, I tell them kind of what I told you that allergen type of, type of thing. But the best thing to do is take these test results to your doctor and find out if you have any severe allergic reactions or, you know, something that would immunodeficiency that would make you susceptible to any you know, bad health mm -hmm. consequences to this mold. Yep. Got it. Okay. You've been doing this for a while now, Brett, do you feel like, and I know a lot of the business must come through real estate agents who know you and get a hold of you when, when, when they need it. Do you feel like people are over this, uh, your 13 years, kind of more cognizant of mold? Are you getting more calls now than you have? Or, or is it the other way around? Like, what do you see in the industry? It's definitely becoming like building up like more and more people are uh -huh. aware of it and concerned of it more and more. I'm seeing people be a lot more proactive in their due diligence where before I used to only get calls when general inspector called this issue out, come check this, where a lot more of the calls are buyer just wants to do a general sweep of the home and they go about the full home inspection more as opposed to being alerted to something and then reacting to that. So it has become more prevalent and people are doing it, keeping it more part of their due diligence. More and more. Yeah. So what, what I understand anytime an industry is growing, people are becoming more conscious of it, more businesses are trying to get into the space. I've heard some bad stories about some shady actors in the inspection space. Do you have any thoughts or ideas as far as whether it's an agent or a homeowner, how can they vet 
a mold inspector? What should they look out for? Any red flags to be aware of? Yeah, definitely. So there are a lot of bad actors in the field. Mm. And one of the easiest ways to spot one is to find out if they are associated or have any, any affiliation with the remediation contractor. Because now they have an incentive to tell you that you have something that you don't or to blow it out of proportion. Right. That's the, the biggest one. Some of them say that they're not, but they do have some sort of back end deal with them. And you can usually spot that by their prices because where my pricing is at, I'm at the lower end of the normal range where there's people that charge a quarter of what I charge. Mm. And I look at that as something's wrong there because they got to, they have to have some sort of incentive out there. I was going to say, if they charge you low, they're probably going to give you a really high estimate for the remediation. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, there's comes at $200 and it includes three samples. That's, I don't know there, there's something going on there. As we know in this industry in construction or otherwise, if it sounds too good to be true, Mm -hmm. it usually is never, never go with the lowest estimate because there's always something fishy about it because especially something like what you're doing, whether it's you or the guy down the street, you're all following the same procedures. So in theory, you should be charging relatively around the same unless they have additional stake in the game. (laughs) Right, right. So if they ask you if you have insurance, red flag. (laughs) Okay. Anything else that real estate agents should know? uh, Any other tips for agents to be aware of, whether it's finding a mold inspector or anything else through the process? Well, I would really, a lot of agents getting or having an an agent with a, good source, a good mold inspector that they know and trust. That way they can be proactive to find anything that could be there, be reactive if they're a listing agent where a buyer comes up and maybe uses one of those inspectors that gives a, that has an affiliation with the contractor. Some that they can bring in with the second opinion that they know, trust, and know is independent, has a good reputation, can really help solve problems or get ahead of problems and just really know what's going on somebody that can be educational and not just there to run up charges and take as many samples as possible. Sure. Well, and you probably get the call too from uh, whether it's agents or buyers that are overly sensitive or overly concerned where the, like, like we said, where, Oh, the shower just hasn't, the shower ceiling hasn't been cleaned in a couple of years or months. And there's really nothing to worry about, but they just want to, they just want to be certain and, and they're concerned. So they want someone like you to tell them that, right? Right. Explain it, what's happening, why it's growing and what needs to be done to mm-hmm. clean what's there and also tips for prevention as well. Right. Right. Now you've talked about all these different kinds of molds. I mean, are they all, are some of them innocuous or some of them more dangerous than others? We've talked about, we heard about this black mold thing, but that may, maybe that was just built up by the press. Just tell us about the different kinds and what people need to know. Right. So in around Los Angeles, you're really going to encounter four main types. You have the stachybotrys, which we talked about. That's the one where people refer to black mold. They're talking about that. You have chitomium and then one called cladosporium. And then there's two other ones, but they're lumped together, aspergillus penicillium. So the two important things with the black mold or the stachybotrys and the chitomium is those are moisture indicators. So for me as somebody that's trying to determine what's going on, those two tell me that there was a water intrusion event. Mm. The other two or three, however you want to say those ones are the most ubiquitous around. 
they're grown, they grow indoors, they grow outdoors. They grow indoors more when there's a ventilation or a water intrusion issue, yes, and they can show signs of, of, you know, it can be an indoor source of mold growth, but they're very, very common. The one thing though about the penicillium aspergillus is that people that are immunocompromised, basically when you're, it can grow inside your body. So when you inhale those molds, immediately a normal immune system attacks it, gets rid of it, not a problem. But an immunocompromised person, they can inhale that and then their immune system can't attack it, and then it can mm. grow inside their body, and they can get aspergillus infection, which is very serious, mm. very rare. And we're talking about a serious immunocompromised person. Often people think they have an autoimmune disease. That's not immunocompromised. That's an auto. It's not, it's a different thing. So mm. an autoimmune disease doesn't necessarily mean immunocompromised. But right. those are the four or five, however you want to look at it, main molds that you're going to see around and- the area. Are you saying some of them aren't necessarily water intrusion or water-based molds, or they so all are? The, so let's say, take that example with the bathroom and you have the moisture accumulation mm-hmm. um, from the shower use. So that's moisture accumulation that doesn't saturate. That's going to grow that cladosporium aspergillus. Ah, okay. Now, when you have the leak from upstairs that saturates, those saturated materials are typically that's when you're going to start seeing the stachybotrys and the chitomium. Mm. So they indicate a water intrusion event because they want a very wet, very saturated material where the other ones, they can grow at the slightest amount. But they all need a little bit of water. sounds like we need to. So ideal, a, a mold's ideal environment is a wet, poorly ventilated, porous organic material. It doesn't need Perfect. all four of those, but all four of those are going to lead to mold. That's why drywall covering, it's, it gets wet. It's inside yeah. a wall or ceiling cabinet, so it's not getting ventilation. And it's porous because it has that paper covering, which is also organic. So that's why it grows really good there. And speaking of that, this is a good subject because people tell me I have mold growing in my ventilation ducts. Um, it's very unlikely that you have that because let's look at how that compares to that environment. Mm-hmm. There's, it's, it doesn't get wet in there because it's a metal or plastic tube that has no source of water intrusion. Ventilation, you can't get more ventilated than a duct. There's <laughs> air blowing through it, right? Uh-huh. It's either plastic or it's a metal duct, which is non-porous and a non-organic material. So right, right. it's really unlikely that you get mold growing in your ducts. That's interesting. That's a good yeah, point. very cool. Well, Brett, yeah. you are the mold man. You've been doing this for 13 <laughs> years. Two-part question. Did you always know that you were this <laughs> mad mold scientist? Or what do you, what do you love about mold? <laughs> I didn't know I was a, a mad mold scientist until recently, last you know five six years. I can't uh, pronounce far, most of the words you said. <laughs> <laughs> the most, the thing I like about it the best is the investigation part of it. There's an issue here. Why is it going? And now I got to run my brain around all these different scenarios of what could be happening, mm. you know, and just getting to the bottom of it, just kind of being like a little detective on figuring out what's going on and what needs to be done. So that's. That's what I like most about it. Yeah, I think there's a house in Manhattan Beach that had vaulted ceilings upstairs and had mold growing up there. Hmm. And no water intrusion, no plumbing around there. And okay. turned out that downstairs, three levels down, laundry dryer duct was disconnected inside the wall, allowing steam to go up all the way to the top. Huh. Inside wow. the wall. And causing Through the wall. Through the wall, yep. right? And into the yep. vaulted ceiling. Wow. And then kind of just accumulating up there with a little bit of moisture and causing mold growth. So that's what I'm saying with the, the investigation, what's going down. All right, I got to go to all the way to the lower level and find out 
see what's going on around here that could lead to this. Yeah, the dryer vent does have a little bit of moisture in it, right? Because it's taking the it's, moisture it's out of the clothes. Drying the wet clothes. It takes uh-huh. all the, basically over the hour that it's there, if you wring out all those wet clothes until they are dry into a bucket, that's the amount of water that's coming out yeah. through those ducts. It's right. a lot. That's right. It's a lot. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that was very cool. I, yeah, I didn't think I'd learn as much as I did, but that's, um, and you know, you know what I like about, about this conversation, Brett, is like, you are not, you were fair with your assessment of mold. It's not like you try to scare everyone into (laughs) this spot is going to kill you. You know, if you find it, you, I think you, you were measured in the way you described it. And I think we appreciate that doesn't mean people don't need to be careful with it, but but it's probably not going to kill them if, uh, you know, if, if, if the water leaked on the floor, you know, yesterday. So, so yeah. final words of wisdom, Brett, what do realtors need to know? I'd say, uh, n- know a good mold inspector. Yeah, and there you go. Get the due diligence done, because like I said, much better to find a mold issue while you're in escrow than a week afterwards. That's right. 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 Yeah. right. And water intrusion Excellent. causes mold growth. That's the, that's the main culprit. I'll yeah. write that down and check and check your, uh, your dryer vent. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. thank you, Brett. We appreciate you. We'll, uh, we'll put your information in the show notes so that if those, those folks that are listening that do need to know a, go, a good inspector, will have your information. And we, uh, obviously appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge. Great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Brett. Thanks, Brett. Be all well. Right. And we'll see you uh, all next time on the next episode and take care. Goodbye. All right, Brett. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for today's episode. I'm Paul with Great Builds. And I'm Sarah Lehman. And if you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. If you'd like to get in touch, please email us at larealtorpod at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.